everyone. I'm Noelle LaCroix. And I'm Dr. Kelly Jones. And this is Orgasm, the podcast from Chipperish Media, where we reach for explosive inspiration. What on earth does that mean? It means that we'll dive deep into a topic that sparks our creative energy, and we'll talk about that topic through our ideas framework. Ideas is an acronym for identification, discovery, exploration, analysis, and synthesis. For today's orgasm, we'll be examining psyche. But before we stretch out on the analyst couch, Noelle, tell me about your last orgasmic encounter. All right. So our last topic was movement. And I continue to struggle to carve out time for the kind of regular movement that my body really craves and thrives on. But I have practiced being more present in the movement that's already part of my regular life. So mm-hmm. I've found myself being more conscious of how I stand or how I squat down to load and unload the dishwasher, what muscles I use when I lift my children. Um, and they're both giant and I do still lift them. So there you go. <laughs> and it's fun to sort of notice how this vehicle of mine gets around just mm-hmm kind of noticing like where my weight is, where my balance is, all of that. It's it's just kind of fun and interesting. Um, I don't know that it's orgasmic necessarily, but <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, it's an interesting exercise in self-knowledge. And I also went to the doctor for an annual exam. So Woo-hoo! give it up for checkups. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that really counts toward movement, but I kind of feel like, you know, we're talking about the physical body. So why not? No, I was glad you put it in there because I got to give myself points because I did the same thing. Hell yeah. And I also went to the dentist. Ooh. So, yeah. Ooh, you're a better yeah. human being than I am. I <laughs> no. no. It requires great bribery of myself by myself <laughs> to make that happen. <laughs> but my afterglow actually goes back two episodes oh. to movies because Bohemian Rhapsody moved me and I have been talking about this movie nonstop and like driving everybody crazy but I'm gonna <laughs> talk about it here too and <laughs> go for it I love it but it was interesting because I don't know if I was more open to orgasm via film because of our discussion but I went into this movie fully open and was completely awestruck by the performance the music the emotions just the magic of it all and I sobbed through the last 20 minutes and then cried for days. Oh, days wow. afterwards. And then I went to see it again. Hell yeah. <laughs> because, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's the normal reaction. That's perfect. Yeah. And that's actually really unusual. I haven't gone to see a movie twice in the theater since Deadpool. And I only did that because I laughed so much in the first round that there were jokes I missed. Yes. Like, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I had to go see it again so I mm-hmm. could see everything I laughed through the first time. But Bohemian Rhapsody was just as amazing the second time around. And I did manage not to break down and cry this time. But there's one moment at the end that made me tear up all over again. But I like had to feel all the things both oh. times. So, you know, and like I said, I was thinking, like, I don't know if I'm more open to this. After hearing you talk about movies, but orgasm was achieved, is what I'm saying. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. It was 
absolutely amazing. I mean, and sometimes it's just the right movie in the right place at the right time. Yeah. That is a movie that I still have not seen. And I really want to, especially after hearing you talk about it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I need to get my butt to the theater. I don't even know if it's still playing. It but. was so good. And, well, it's funny. I saw it in two different theaters with two different people. But it was mm. snowing both times, which I thought was interesting. Oh. Like, it was just kind of a funny coincidence. It's kind of magical. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, my God. It was just <laughs> incredible. <laughs> incredible. And it made me so incredibly sad and hopeful at the same time and like I don't even know how that's possible but if you like Queen you got even if you don't like Queen I don't know if any part of music moves any part of your soul (laughs) you have to see this movie (laughs) I feel like that's a great question for a first date does any part of music move any part of your soul it's like the most you know generous Please, uh, well, please let this work out. Okay. <laughs> the second time I saw it was a not date, I guess is the best way I know to say that. A non-date, yes. A, I, a not date. I've been on those. The guy that I was with, when we got to the end, he was like clenching his fist and cussing under his breath a little bit. <laughs> and I finally figured out he was trying not to cry. Oh my God. And I was like, honey, you can, it's okay, honey, like trust me you're good it's all right (laughs) and like he was having a hard time even speaking wow i was like i i fell apart the first time i saw this movie like it's okay then we got out to the parking lot and i was like so what'd you think and he's like oh i'm buying this fucking movie the day it comes out (laughs) oh (laughs) so i can sob in the privacy of my own home yes (laughs) but i did feel really bad because like I could tell he yeah. needed to cry at the end of this and felt like he couldn't. And oh, that's terrible. Yeah. People, folks of all genders, if you need to cry, cry please do it. It's cry. good for you. It's please important. Cry. It's Toxic okay. but, masculinity. And it was really funny because we saw it really late at night and there were only, I don't know, maybe 20 people in the theater. And several of us walked out together. Like a group, I mean, strangers. Mm-hmm. And all of us just started talking to each other. Oh, that's amazing. Right? And everybody was just talking about, like, their reaction and how wonderful it was. And we're standing in the parking lot. It's freezing, freezing cold after midnight and snowing. And there's a group of people I've never met. And we're all just standing there talking about how amazing this movie was. It was really cool. That's, like, the most chipperish thing you could have done, too. (laughs) Like, do you realize that that's just, like, anyway. (laughs) No, probably if I was in full chipperish mode, I would be like, do y'all want to talk about the anchor scenes? And like, <laughs> who do you think was the antagonist of this? I think it was an inner antagonist. I think it's what an internal think? antagonist. Like, <laughs> right? No, I don't know. I haven't but. seen the movie and I can tell you right now, I bet no. it has both. I bet it does both an inner and an outer. It does. I bet it, yeah. It mm-hmm. does. This yeah. is my guess. And, yeah, it was. But but yeah, you're right. That was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I loved seeing something that affected everyone who watched it like it was it's a powerful powerful film and beautifully done and I mean the performances were just amazing so I might go see it again it's really ridiculous I wouldn't blame you so anyway all right all right, right. so that was like <laughs> what like a month ago that we talked about movies what are we doing today oh yeah new I have topic, no idea right <laughs> new sorry. topic someone keep me on task 
So (laughs) today, (laughs) someone who isn't me, keep Kelly on task because I'll just be like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, sounds great. Uh Uh-huh. Keep going. (laughs) So movies was what, like a month ago? (laughs) I'm I'm so glad you had an orgasmic experience. It was a delayed orgasm, okay? (laughs) A delayed orgasm. Well, sometimes those are the most satisfying. You know, when the buildup is... Anyway, um, (laughs) I'm sorry. I... What are we talking about? What are we supposed to be talking about? I think we're supposed to introduce today's episode. Awesome. So what is today's episode? (laughs) So I chose Psyche for today's discussion because you made me read The Four Tendencies. And I can't think about one personality assessment without thinking about them all. And... The makeup of the psyche and the framework of the human mind and the mystery of our essential souls is basically what I spend 75% of my day thinking about. But honestly, because in a search for authenticity, understanding of self seems to be pretty damn important. And it's an area where I have a lot of work to do. And that's the show. No. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Thank you Uh, for coming to our talk. (laughs) All right. So I think it's very funny that an anti-Freudian picked Psyche. Like, that just feels... Is it I don't know. funny or is it sarcastic? Okay. It's pretty cheeky. You are a trickster goddess. <laughs> well, and the word Psyche is much bigger than Freud. Yes. So I'm coming to it from the Greek. And Fair. there's also a connection to our next episode. Yeah. And it's my second favorite mythology story. And I needed one word... For the title, an odd by personality frameworks just wasn't cutting it for me. (laughs) What are you talking about? That sounds so hot. I can't (laughs) wait to listen to that show. Let's do that show instead. (laughs) No. All right. Okay. 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 So I'm procrastinating on taking us into our ideas framework, our identification, Mm -hmm. because I have a confession. Oh, dear. Forgive me, Dr. Jones, for I have sinned. It was not until I sat down to organize my thoughts for today's podcast that I realized I never defined my terms. Oh, dear God. I know. So I was thinking about psyche as being synonymous with personality. Ah. And when I looked it up, personality was there, but also soul and Mm -hmm. spirit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, boy. Because, I mean, those are words that fill me with all kinds of feelings. And I wholeheartedly believe in the existence of a soul or spirit or something cosmic woo-woo that makes you uniquely you and me uniquely me and is maybe even eternal in the when I'm gone, my spirit sticks around kind of way. Uh That rabbit hole is so much deeper than I thought. Mm -hmm. But I'm really excited about exploring this topic as an adult because for a long time, my sense of my personality was informed by labels and just words that other people used for me when I was growing up, you know, like you're detail oriented or you're an introvert or you're artistic. Mm -hmm. And it was a very long time before I started thinking about my own sense of myself and my personality separate from the traits other people did or didn't see in me. So now at 35, or I guess almost 36, (laughs) I'm trying to really beginner's mind the fuck out of this whole personality, who am I thing. (laughs) Okay, I love beginner's mind as a verb with the word fuck in the same sentence. 
Yeah, beginners mind the fuck, right? In yes. the like Zen tradition where you <laughs> beginners mind the fuck out of something. Right. And because we cite our sources around here at Orgasm and Chipperish Media as a whole, when I say beginner's mind, I'm thinking of Zen master Shunryu Suzuki Roshi saying in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, informal talks on Zen meditation and practice, quote, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. That was a lovely citation. Why, thank you. Well, I have always associated psyche with core personality, self, and soul. But it's really difficult for me to tease those things apart. Mm. Like, how does personality differ from temperament? How does self differ from soul? I don't know, but it's fascinating. (laughs) And (laughs) I want to know myself better. And in the love what you love framework, I want to know the people that I love better. And I'd also like to understand why I'm drawn to the people I'm drawn to in the first place. Mm. So it's it's kind of a, I don't know that personality encompasses all of that. You know, is it a person's energy? Is it chemistry based? I don't know. But <laughs> the whole question just delights me. And for me, like my early understanding of my personality was completely and totally based on its faults. So... Mm. messy Mm -hmm. irresponsible lazy smart but airheaded overly (laughs) sensitive moody impractical daydreamer like that was the impression that stuck and so it took a long time to shake that and if I said I had completely shaken it I would be lying but when I got to know people outside of my family some of those people seemed to appreciate my personality or like there were things in that box that they actually liked Uh uh-huh (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, wow. Yeah. Um, How about had, that? Right. It's so weird. And when I had opportunities to learn and try new things, like in new environments and with new people, I discovered that some of those flaws could be strengths. And I'm not saying that they're not flaws because some of them are, but <laughs> like my whole entire personality may not be a waste of human space. So this is great <laughs> growth. <laughs> It is entirely possible. (laughs) It is possible. Um, But when I started teaching, I wanted to learn how to connect with and motivate my students. Because the teachers who connected with and motivated me changed my life. And I don't believe you can do that without genuinely wanting to appreciate people. And as I studied curriculum theory and instructional theory, like my teaching philosophy comes from a humanist perspective. And that requires both awareness and appreciation. And for me, appreciation flows into inspiration and inspiration flows into magic. And I'm pretty good at appreciating and seeing magic in other people. But it's a struggle to do that for myself. But at the end of the day, I can't write if I can't inspire myself. And I Mm. want to write. Mm -hmm. So I want to see and appreciate magic in the world and people I love and also in me. And I am older than you, sugar, so I have started this whole getting to know myself thing late, but that's okay because I have 40 years of data to work with. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Like, cheers to being a late bloomer. Yeah. In anything, really. I think that, you know, we, we put a lot of, there's a lot of glamour put on, like, and I graduated from medical school when I was 17 years old. Like, it's not, 
you know, and like, that's wonderful, but I don't think that's necessarily the best approach to everything all the time, which sort of brings us to discovery. I don't know. It does it a little bit. I think we can say it did. Yeah. So, you know, I... (laughs) I kind of struggled with our ideas framework this week. I got to tell you, it just kind of mm-hmm. felt like it all, it all like flowed together or maybe didn't apply. Or I don't know. So discovery. So what did we want to find out about this topic? So I'm thinking about this from a self-discovery 35. Let's do this thing. <laughs> Bring on the quizzes. I all the quizzes. Love. I love a good personality quiz. I love a bad personality quiz. <laughs> it's true. I mean, what flavor of Ben and Jerry's ice cream are you? Oh my god, you sent me that one and I didn't take it. You didn't I take need it. To take it. No, I forgot. No, oh, man. I am chocolate chip cookie dough, which mm. will surprise someone. But as a recovering perfectionist, I realized that in the past, I've answered quiz questions based on what I wish were true rather than what is true. Mm-hmm. Like that Myers-Briggs question about whether your home or workspace is usually tidy. Mm-hmm. I aspire to tidiness, but my space looks like a tornado hit. <laughs> when I got to that question, I just laughed. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, oh, 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 oh no. <laughs> but I like the look, like, I like the idea of a tidy workspace. I like the idea of a tidy home. And, you know, maybe it's because I live with two youngish kids that mm-hmm. my house looks like a tornado hit most of the time. But if I'm honest, I mean, I just throw my stuff anywhere. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, a messy desk is a sign of genius, right? At least I tell myself that to feel Sure, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I have taken about 5,000 personality tests. um, Nice. Because they're standard in my line of work. So almost every job I apply for, you have to take one as part of the interview process. You normally take one as part of the onboarding process. And I've given them and administered them, you know, to students in different roles and different kind of teams at work. And they can be helpful. And give you insight into yourself and the people you work with, with the understanding that they're all contextual and nothing in any person is ever 100% fixed. Right. So that's that's always my caveat. And I tend to score high on critical thinking, analysis, problem solving, and intelligence. But the personality factors vary a lot um, because it's situational and I overthink every single question. Oh, Yeah. And then to make that even worse, I became DISC certified. And so I give DISC and interpret those results. And it's, I do like that one for workplace personality assessments, but I overthink every single question. (laughs) You know, it's kind of ridiculous. And I really struggle to answer the questions because the answer is always, it depends. It depends. Yeah. It depends, right? Like it depends. Mm -hmm. But the first like personality quiz or whatever that actually caught my attention is not an official assessment. So it was part of a team building workshop when I was a professor a long time ago and a consultant came in to work with our leadership team for the day and he gave us this animal type personality quiz. (laughs) Uh And so our group was our dean, assistant deans, department chairs, and me as the college's instructional lead. 
And when we all took the quiz, almost all of them were either lions or eagles. And I was the only dolphin. <laughs> right? And I was like, what? So it got to be a joke. Because in this assessment, the dolphin was the social and creative creature. Uh And at one point during the break, the consultant asked me if I was sure I wanted to be an academic. Because apparently he'd never had a professor score as a dolphin before. (laughs) Um, And I was like, well, how big is your data set? And like, (laughs) you know, what kind of significance are we talking about in your statistical analysis here? But whatever. Um, I'm sorry, but how big is your data set is another very important question for a first date. (laughs) Well, I'd be more interested in the quality of the data set necessarily. (laughs) Oh, touche. Okay. (laughs) Right. Because a a well-crafted data set is much more impressive than a large data set that may have. (laughs) It's not the size of the data set. It's the... It's the quality. It's of the, the quality data. of the research. Yes, absolutely. I feel very strongly about this. <laughs> anyway, um, but he, he told me, I guess based on this data set, he thought I would have gone into marketing or the arts or public speaking instead of teaching. And I was kind of arguing the point with him because I think Gail Godwin was right when she said that good teaching is one-fourth preparation and three-fourths pure theater. Yeah, Because you're supposed to create an experience for your students. Oh, I love that. And the researcher in me like totally scoffed at this animal personality framework, but it stuck with me anyway. And whenever I feel out of place at work, like it helps to remember that I might be the only dolphin. As ridiculous as that sounds. So that was kind of my first entry into personality. That's kind of fantastic. I love that. And I'm not at all surprised that you're a dolphin. They're smarter than humans. (laughs) They just don't have thumbs. That's their only, I mean. Thanks for all the fish. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So once we discover personality assessments then we explore them do you want to move us into exploration all right you know what i feel like i want to shout out the the chipperish community member who like invents some clever thing for orgasm transitions because we're just like and we're in this framework and (laughs) now we're jumping to the next section and i don't know maybe maybe the Maybe that works for people. I don't know. I just always feel super awkward. It feels like it feels like in dance when I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many of you are ballerinas, but, you know, you do the combination and you knock it out of the park and you're like, yeah, you're feeling really good about yourself. And then your your teacher goes, "Okay, now reverse it. It's like, (laughs) oh, holy shit. Wait a minute. I have to do the whole damn thing. Backward. No. Oh, I just got it. Yeah. Yeah. So. (laughs) Now reverse it. Um, but exploration, I mean, yay, yay, this is the fun part. This is books. This is observation. I also read The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin, and I made an attempt at reading Reading People by Anne Bogle, and I mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. I love the idea of a book that looks at different um, personality frameworks and discusses them kind of together as a concept, but I just couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe someone, maybe that is the perfect book for someone else, but it was not for me. So. 
Yeah. <laughs> I tried to get through it too and I couldn't. And I really like her podcast, but I just wasn't the right reader for that book. But I did read The Four Tendencies because you told me to. Did I tell you to? Uh, Yeah. I thought you told me to. No. See, I can never remember. See, we have this thing at, <laughs> at Chipperish Media where something comes up and then it just goes around in circles and we never know who was responsible. Now, you, you told me to like six months ago and I finally Oh, that's did. why. Okay. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> that's why. Yes. Yeah, so I read that book and I was like all, I was all in. Mm-hmm. And then I finished the book and I was like, huh, I don't know. Um <laughs> And then we sort of tore it apart, which was great. That but was fun. Uh, yeah, and then we did uh, recently. We did the Chipperish Astrology Hour, <laughs> in which uh, I hijacked the business conversation to ask everyone the date and time and location <laughs> of their birth, <laughs> so that I could figure out what was going on with all of us, you know, astrologically, uh-huh. and. It's pretty cool. I mean, chipperish is all air signs and earth signs, which I feel like means nothing, but whatever. <laughs> it was interesting. But my favorite my my favorite part of exploration for this topic was actually observing my growing children. Mm-hmm. Because for me, nothing compares to having more than one child in terms of demonstrating that people very much are who they are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you know, and you can influence that some, but it's just, it is remarkable to me how much both of my children were themselves. I was going to say from day one, but even in utero, they were different. I mean, they were Mm -hmm. different fetuses, which feels like a freaky weird thing to say, but they had very different personalities just right off the bat. And, you know, that is super cool and it's like amazing to observe it in my own home. And it also means that all the things that worked for the first kid do not necessarily work for the second kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And teachers, something that works for one student may not necessarily work for another. Yep. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) But it's just, I mean, especially as they get older and they show their... Not just show their personalities more, but they're able to articulate their thoughts and their experiences. It's like, holy cow, like this little personality just is in this person. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. So, and I was glad we read The Four Tendencies because it had been on my list forever. Um, (laughs) And in that framework, I was a questioner and I questioned the validity of the entire framework. So fair enough. I loved that. I loved that. You texted me throughout the reading of that book and you were just like, why do we need a frame? Why or not? Why do we need a framework? But like, why do we need this? Why does that? Why? Wait a minute. Why should I? I was like, you are a questioner. You are a questioner. I was a rebel. Um, mm-hmm. I took the quiz online. We can link that in the show notes. Uh, yeah. Gretchen Rubin has the quiz on. It's both uh, in the book and on her website. And I came out as a rebel, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm kind of an obligatory rebel. The The four, four tendencies framework talks about how you respond to expectations. That's really all it's looking at. Um, how you respond to external expectations and internal expectations. And, you know, all of the details of that are on her website. But I thought that I thought it was very interesting that I came out as a rebel because I... 
think I look like an obliger. Mm-hmm. And you're definitely a questioner. That did not surprise me at all. I was like, oh, yep. <laughs> Kelly's a questioner. I mean, you're a researcher. It's your freaking job. <laughs> like, I shall ask people questions because that is how I relate to everything. Well, yeah, but the questions she gives you, I'm like, why this question? Like, <laughs> why did you pick that one? Why did questioner. you it like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was an interesting read. And I I definitely enjoyed Chipperish Astrology Hour, um, which was really funny because you've taught me that, like, it's not just your sun sign, that it's your mm-hmm. sun and your moon and your rising sign. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just an Aquarius, I'm a double Aquarius, which is, yeah. explains a lot, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> it explains a whole lot. <laughs> and I really wanted to dig into that aspect of personality because my son is also an Aquarius. And we have the exact same birthday. But our personalities are so freaking different. And we drive each other crazy. And we have <laughs> nothing in common. And... So when you ran my birth chart, I ran his. Um, So I'm an Aquarius sun, Aquarius moon with Libra rising. Kiddo is an Aquarius sun, Scorpio moon with a Virgo rising. And I didn't know what that meant other than his rising sign being Virgo making my brain explode. But I wanted to find out. (laughs) So so I asked our wonderful magical friend Kelly at Glazebook Girl on Twitter for her take on our birth charts. And she was kind enough to share some insight with me, um, which I think was really interesting because my son and I are both Aquarius steliums. So we each have four planets in Aquarius. So apparently we have like these superpower things, but they're in different houses. And that makes us like buttheads about everything. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this explains so much. <laughs> so- like she basically said, you know, your son has the originality and independence of an Aquarius, but the emotional intensity and iron will of a Scorpio. <laughs> and I was like, yes, and oh my God. <laughs> so, but I, I have just always thought of him as an Aquarius like me. And like, it, so it was just really, really insightful and helpful. Um, to think about that. And I'm really trying now to get him to take Myers-Briggs. Yes. But I can't get him to cooperate oh, yeah. yet. So maybe one day soon I can get him to do that. <laughs> <laughs> because then we'll have more data to analyze, which brings us to analysis. Oh, my God. That was beautifully done. <laughs> <laughs> Two drink minimum, folks. That's how we oh roll. Oh, my God. Yes. So analysis. I mean... Analysis might be my favorite part, which was very meta of me to say. But, you know, analysis (laughs) is why do we love this thing, right? And I have a one-line answer to why I love this thing. Okay. Understanding another person's psyche enables me to care about them more fully and authentically. And understanding my own psyche helps me protect my energy. That is fantastic. Well, thank you. I like defining my terms, but in a verbose sort of way. (laughs) Um, So I took the the Myers-Briggs type personality test at 16personalities.com. That's 16personalities.com. And I have taken that test lots of times before. I usually come out as INFJ. Mm -hmm. 
But I took the test twice recently, really leaning into that how things are instead of how do I wish they were (laughs) space. Mm -hmm. And I came out as an ISFP. So the introvert piece is firmly in place. (laughs) But the rest of it is more fluid, which I have to say sort of makes sense based on everything I've learned about myself over the last, oh, I don't know. 13 months or so Mm -hmm. (laughs) year year and a half yeah so when you texted me your results I immediately went to read the description of the ISFP Mm -hmm. so according to the website an ISFP uses aesthetics design and even their choices and actions to push the limits of social convention (laughs) these adventurers enjoy upsetting traditional expectations with experiments in beauty and behavior Chances are they've expressed more than once the phrase, don't box me in. (laughs) So I fully co-sign this description of you. (laughs) Why do we have to have labels? Why do labels even matter? I don't need a label for my identity. (laughs) But it was really interesting that like the aesthetic piece really came out first in that description. Mm -hmm. Because you are so visual. And so, yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah. 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 And I loved your answer to why do I love this thing so much? Oh, uh-huh. So I'm I'm paraphrasing and citing at the end of this. Uh, so I can tweak it a little <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'm going to include the citation. That understanding another person's psyche enables me to see them more clearly and love them better. And understanding my own psyche helps me tap into my own magic. Parentheses, LaCroix, comma, 2018. So... Cite my sources there. But I also went and took the Myers-Briggs personality test at 16personalities.com. I've taken it before uh, several times and and for work. And I usually get ENFP or INFP. And it just depends on my extroversion, introversion, energy in the moment Mm -hmm. because it shifts. But being around people I like and groups that I enjoy, I'm very extroverted. So I just took it in that space. Of like assuming mm-hmm. when it asks, do you like going to parties? I said, would I like going to ChipperCon? Yes. Yes, I would. Check. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that. So I think ENFP is probably the most accurate because I am social and I always have been and I'll talk to anybody. And I'm drawn to people who delight and inspire me. And so like I think that there's there's probably a big extrovert piece to that. Um, although eventually I'll hit a point that everybody needs to stop talking to me and let me read a book. So it does shift. But the ENFPs, according to the website, are fiercely independent. And much more than stability and security, they crave creativity and freedom. What? "Ah, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Check. (laughs) Yep. But I really like this sentence. They said, um, they tend to see life as a big, complex puzzle where everything is connected and they look at life through a prism of emotion, compassion, and mysticism, always looking for deeper meaning. And I was like, yes, choose magic and bring on research mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. That totally that's, works for me. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think that, that, yes, I think that sums you up just about perfectly. <laughs> yeah, my problem with every single test, every single personality test is that I'm like, well, it depends, yeah. you know, because they're like, they're like, 
especially questions about being with people because mm-hmm. for me it so depends on the people mm-hmm. it so depends you know and i think that that ultimately i come out as an introvert because i do hit that point even with people that i love you know who i feel like love me fully and completely and we you know we're we're just we mesh on all of these different levels and there comes a point where I'm like okay I need to be in a room by myself with no one talking to me or you know no one talking to me or touching me or looking at me I just need I need no humans is <laughs> what I need mm-hmm. so but you know other than that sort of needing alone time at some point to kind of recharge all like every single question I'm like well but yeah yes this except for under these circumstances so it's you know and I mean that's that's how this works like it can't well it's also the limitation of free internet quizzes right (laughs) right you're not getting the detailed scenario based right you're not yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. you're working with a limited data set unless you buy the full subscription But they're still fun. Some of these, especially some of those BuzzFeed personality quizzes and oh stuff, are so funny. <laughs> Which sex up. position are you? I <laughs> took that one. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Of course I did. <laughs> well, I was really curious, like, how would that relate to personality? But, and the part where the whole thing is a joke still doesn't quite register in my brain because I'm like, well, how would you structure those questions? And what is the correlation between each question and the end result? Like, I'm still, yeah. <laughs> it would never dawn on me to just write funny questions for a pointless funny quiz. Like, I'm wondering what is the connection right. behind why, it. and Why would you do that? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. But I did take that one because it cracked me up. Of course you did. Of course I, I did. love it. <laughs> so, I think I actually got into synthesis a little bit with analysis Mm. yeah maybe it's the social media circles that i travel in but i've seen a lot online in the last year or so about self-love you know as rupaul says if you can't love yourself how the hell are you gonna love someone else (laughs) and rather than unpack that question which i would love to do on twitter if anybody wants to uh Unpack that with me. Hashtag orgasm. I'm going to get really mushy about love for a second. So buckle up, buttercup. (laughs) I love someone when I feel like I know them. When I have a sense of who they are at their core and that resonates with me or lights me up or otherwise makes me say, yes, that It should be intuitive, and maybe it is for some people, but I realized that self-love never came easily to me because I wasn't taking the time to get to know myself and who I am at my core. Mm -hmm. So over the past year or year and a half, I've really dug deep, borrowing shovels and headlamps and pickaxes from some (laughs) truly wonderful friends, companions, chosen family, and physical and mental health care providers. (laughs) And every time I unearth something, I'm taking it out and looking at it closely. And don't get me wrong, sometimes it's scary as fuck. Sometimes I find the fossilized remains of something monstrous. 
And then I bring it to my sister or my best friend and she goes, cool fossil, babe. (laughs) And I'm reminded that those old things can't hurt me anymore. And it's not all scary. I mean, some of the stuff I unearth is truly magical. I mean, it's weird, but it's magical. (laughs) So synthesis is what are the next steps, right? How do we integrate this topic into our daily lives, into our quest for creativity and authenticity? And that's where I am, really looking at what I am like instead of what I wish I were like. And it's kind of a trip. Oh, I love this. Like, I love your whole metaphor for the thing. And like, can I borrow your pickaxe? Like, that is, can I borrow your pickaxe? Or maybe fantastic. a backhoe. <laughs> I'm going to need a crane. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. Back it, back it on up over here. Um, but yeah, and I think, like, I've been doing that maybe a year and eight months or so. I don't know. Not quite <laughs> Who's counting, years. though? I mean, I don't know. Somewhere around in there. And it's it's been both heartening and scary as hell for me to be myself on social media and in podcast Mm -hmm. because it's incredibly vulnerable and deeply uncomfortable. But sometimes it's also really, really fun. And I've connected with people and ideas that I never would have met otherwise. And some of the real me seems to resonate with other people and there's magic in that. But God, I hear you about knowing what I wish I was instead of what I really am. Yeah. Because I could write the description of what I wish I was with perfect clarity. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it, it really does go back to the Bohemian Rhapsody movie because there was this one line and you had talked about this when we did the movie episode about seeing emotional truth on screen. Mm-hmm. And there was this one line in this movie where one of the characters kind of goes on this tear of the idea of, I love you, but. Mm. Like, I love you, but this. Or I love mm-hmm. you, but not in that way. Or I love you, but there's this situation. I love you, but you need to change. Like, mm-hmm. and that hit me. Like, I just, I don't even know. Um, and I realized that, like, other people do that to me all the time. But I also do it to myself. And so trying to understand this self-love, which is this thing, you know, we talk about it and people tell me, you need to love yourself. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Um, (laughs) I I think it means, you know, like if that's mentally or emotionally or whatever, um, when you're thinking about yourself in those terms, is dropping the but. And so it's not Mm -hmm. I love you, but it's just I love you full stop. Yeah. And not in the in the way I wish you were way, but the way that you love other people, you know, which is real and ugly. Um, So for continued synthesis, I would like to appreciate myself more for the me that I actually am instead of the me that I wish I was. Cause the me that I wish I was is fucking awesome. I mean, (laughs) she is fantastic. I mean, have you seen her? I mean, come on. Come on. Damn. Uh, (laughs) There's a small problem in the fact that she doesn't actually exist. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got one of those, too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yay for authenticity. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> just like the tiniest little, you know, party noisemaker. Just like, <laughs> <"Sweet." laughs> 
So what was your favorite part of psyche as a topic? And aren't you glad we did something so simple and easy? Oh, my God. Well, we do this every time, though. I'm like, this is going to be easy and fun. And then it's like, you know, let me rip my guts out and look at all of the gross insides. (laughs) Um, But my favorite part. Okay. All right. I... (laughs) I feel like I have to preface this by saying I'm not a fan of the Harry Potter universe, by which I mean the stories never clicked with me and I'm not terribly knowledgeable about them. Not I'm not a fan like this is crap and no one should like it. No, love what you love. It just didn't it didn't click with me. However, in the spirit of research, I clicked myself over to Pottermore and took the which Hogwarts house are you quiz Mm -hmm. and... I'm a Slytherin, (laughs) y'all, which I guess makes me a bad guy. Okay, well, I I have serious issues with all Slytherins being bad guys, but that's a totally (laughs) different conversation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That that is a conversation for a Harry Potter podcast that yes we have no plans to do. (laughs) No, none whatsoever. (laughs) Um. Well, my favorite part was our friend Kelly's reading mine and my son's birth chart because, oh, my God, she nailed us. And she really helped me reframe some of the areas where I struggle with him. So thank you, Kelly. And if you're not following Glazebrook Girl on Twitter, what are you doing with your life? Because (laughs) but I also followed you over to Pottermore for fun. And Mm -hmm. I, I think maybe you've been an evil influence on me because this time on the quiz, I got Slytherin, too. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought that was kind of fascinating um, <laughs> because I've taken like a gazillion Harry Potter quizzes and I'm always Ravenclaw. I mean, come on. Like, is there any serious question? Like, would you live in a library if given the opportunity? Yes. yes like, <laughs> it's pretty simple. Um, and if I was sorting myself, it would be Ravenclaw. So I guess I have a deep love of books and a dark side. <laughs> there you go. Deep, a, a deep love of dark books. Yeah, I think if I were sorting, I don't know. I think if I were sorting myself, I mean, again, I say this with like not a huge amount of knowledge of the Harry Potter universe. I think if I were sorting myself, I would be a Hufflepuff because I just like friends and snacks. Oh. Right? Like, that's just, you know, and like, uh. I'll be there, like, if you need me, but I'm not, you know, no one's going to write a book about me. <laughs> like, I'm not. Oh, I'm not a pe- I beg to differ about that. <laughs> Do you value fairness? I think that's the ultimate question for me for Hufflepuff. Like, Hufflepuff for me is kind of this, I would say almost a, a social justice group. Like, they value fairness and fair play. <laughs> That's very important. I think Hufflepuffs are greatly underappreciated, basically. <laughs> and I think Slytherins are deeply misunderstood. Um, but Lonnie is totally a Gryffindor. I'm just putting that down right now. Oh, Lonnie Diane Rich of yes. Chipperish Media is yes. yes, yes. Lonnie's a well, because Lonnie's a protagonist. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Okay. She's there's a that. Um um which which okay, this is sort of perfect because this ties us into my spontaneous orgasm for this topic. Mm-hmm. And I did have one and it Yay! was so much fun. Tell me all about so, it. So, okay. Okay. So, my spontaneous orgasm was the Chipperish Media five man band, yeah. which should really be the five man woman and non binary person band. But everyone likes good assonance. So, it's the five man band. <laughs> 
So in November, Rob Hyrett joined Chipperish Media with his Star Wars podcast, Metaphors Be With You. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were discussing scheduling, there was also some discussion of the five-man band because there were now five of us. Yep. And what I don't remember is who was who. No. But to the best of my recollection, Lonnie, story preacher Diane Rich is the leader because, yes. of course, because Chipperish Media is her baby. Mm-hmm. You are the Lancer. Because you're kind of like you, you two sort of play off each other and you're kind of a nice point counterpoint thing. Rob is the smart guy. I'm the big guy. And Joshua Unruh is the heart because he called dibs on being the yes, heart. And that was my favorite part. Yes. <laughs> it, was it was so Unruh delightful. Like, I'm the it heart. It was so delightful. <laughs> it was so great. He was like, I got it all. <laughs> it's like, me. I love it. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. cool. Yeah, but I also want to put this to the Chipperish community. Mm. Who's who in the five podcaster band of Chipperish Media? I want to know. This might be my favorite research question of all time. Yeah, I kind of want to know. I mean, if you listen to all of our shows and oh, why don't you? And talk to all of us in Discord. And if you don't, why don't you? Well, you don't talk to me in Discord because. uh... Okay, Discord or Twitter. (laughs) Some form of social media. I need to get my butt to Discord because yeah. every every time I every time everyone in Discord is so smart. Okay, this is real. Y'all are so smart in Discord, and I'm like, oh holy shit, everyone is so smart, <laughs> and I get major imposter syndrome, and then I run away. You are great in Discord, <laughs> but that's that is a real thing. Like I have, ser- I'm like, oh my god, you're all so knowledgeable. <laughs> They are really, really And beautiful smart. and or handsome, depending <laughs> on your oh. preference. Yeah, they're great. Best community. Chipperish community, best community. It's all I'm going to say. Absolutely. I love it. Any spontaneous orgasm, Kelly? Yes, although I love the five-person band. I don't know if I'm the Lancer. I'm going to need to study, analyze, and question that framework in depth. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our narrative theory people can take that apart because... Uh, yeah, I knew you were an academic I... snake when I picked you up. <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I like it. It sounds really cool. But my spontaneous orgasm was thinking about personality types um, in, ter- in terms of who we're drawn to and remembering Shel Silverstein's poem, Invitation, which I have talked about on podcasts before. Yes. And it's really funny how often this poem comes back to me. Like, this is just one that has been with me since I was 12 years old. And it pops up at the funniest times. But in there, he said, if you're a dreamer, a wisher, a liar, a hoper, a prayer, a magic bean buyer. If you're a pretender, come sit by the fire. And in my head, I always swap liar for writer Mm. and the fire for my fire. I thought it was my fire. I thought it was, too. But when I looked it up, it said the. But I always say my. So huh. I don't okay. know. My actual book is in a box. My actual book is on my shelf, so I will look it up. Oh, for you. thank you. I really hope it's my fire because I think it, is. it sounds better. Yeah. And I don't know of a personality assessment that focuses on the magical aspects of the human psyche. But ultimately, I think what I'm most drawn to is magic. And so like my personality assessment test would be really simple, right? If we were walking <laughs> in the woods and we found a glowing magical door. Would you take my hand and go through it with me? Oh, my God. And, right? <laughs> Check yes or no. Okay, moving on. Next question. <laughs> and would you want that magical door to exist in the first place? Okay. Mm. Yes, no. Next question. 
And would you seek it out if you knew it existed? Like, that's it. That's all I need to know about you. Because, Damn. <laughs> like, ultimately, Damn. right? The human psyche is an invitation to our own magic. And I want to respond to that with a big, strong yes. And I want to be around people who would do the same. So I think the whole episode was me coming to that one question. And I was very happy to get there. <laughs> Ridiculous as it sounds. Choose magic, baby. Choose magic, baby. I love it. Yeah. All right. All right. Tease me, tempt me. What am I anticipating for next time? (laughs) Um, well. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just reframe that question in terms of the actual podcast. Our next topic will be mythology. And not just so we can talk about the other psyche, but (laughs) I think when we were originally thinking about topics, I listed mythology after psyche, partly for the play on words, but partly for the idea of personality archetypes and how those might Mm -hmm. go back to mythology, but also because it's a fun topic. And speaking of the Chipperish five-person band, our very own Joshua Unruh will be guesting with us to talk about mythology. Oh, man, it's going to be so good. And I'm going to let you two run the discussion because I'm like, all right. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to say for mythology, but it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be a good good discussion. Yeah. So we want to hear your thoughts on Psyche and personality assessments and the Chipper's Five Man Band. So to connect with us on Twitter and Instagram, follow Noelle at Noelle Aloud and me at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag orgasm. You can also go a little deeper by visiting the Chippers forums. Go to chippers.com, click on forum, and join in the discussion. Like all Chipperish media podcasts, Orgasm is 100% patron supported. And we really, really appreciate all of you. Just a dollar a month or more gets you access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with Kelly and me, but mostly Kelly because I got to get my Discord <laughs> act together. And remember that imposter syndrome is a thing that everyone experiences and whew, it's all all right. So deep breaths. Here we go. Um, but truly, all the Chipperish patrons are just the best, smartest, coolest, kindest people. Yeah. And you should you should really, really join us. Yes. Yeah, visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that's a great way to support the show and to help other people find us. Or post about your orgasmic experience on your favorite social media platforms because explosive inspiration is best when shared with friends. We will be back next time to talk about mythology with Joshua Unruh. Yay! Until then, I will leave you with the words of May Sarton, who said, The most valuable thing we can do for the psyche, occasionally, is to let it rest, wander, live in the changing light of room, not try to be or do anything, whatever. <laughs>